I knew Taco Tuesday on a Friday was too good to be true. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Batman. Our bikes love us and we love them back as we ride through the city by the cars like black on the teeth of the town. We just keep on singing. We're unstoppable. Oh, hell yeah. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hapler, and Jake Von Doing. One of the most important decisions you will make is to be in a good mood. For every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. So, crank it up and be happy, my friend. When things are good, when things are hard, we ride together, we don't drive cars, but together we make such beautiful music. Oh, hell yeah, brother, you yeet! Unstoppable mamas, a G-N-O, Unstoppable kids, yeah. Get your bike and go. Get your bike and go. Unstoppable papas. Pedal and flow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're doing it good, buddy. Great job. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von Dering, and I'm here in the studio, believe it or not, with Lance Friggin' Heffler. Lance Friggin' Heffler. Look at me right here <laughs> in studio with Jake. Dude, it's it's good to have you back. I, man. I am super uh um I'm I've mixed emotions about being back at the moment. <laughs> so you get back, I'm like, all right, we're gonna have most of the team back together, and then Matt leaves. <laughs> Coming to us over the uh, Verizon network, <laughs> Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, Matt? What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You surfing waves over there, dude? You're looking good. Yeah? You're looking good. It looks it looks cooler there than it is here because you guys have got sweatshirts and, and hats on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just rocking it. Just no shirt, no pants, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> We've got black bars all over the, uh, the FaceTime call here so matt and, matt and i have switched positions i am sitting at the uh, studio table and matt is sitting on a bed in a random tropical location matt we got right. some surf music playing in the that. background like, here oh the bed just like where lance was last week <laughs> i was laying in a bed last week we got some surf music playing in the background you want to tell us where you're at what you're doing what warrants this set i'm music? in maui hawaii and uh just fresh off the boat and um yeah, we are chilling here, and it's sunny and seventy something. Perfect, perfect weather conditions. Fantastic, so, very a windy good. Outfit, yeah, cool. Good. You guys having fun? So far, the kids are having a good time. Yeah. yeah, and my wife and I are just trying to make sure the kids have a good time. So we're we're make sure they're not trying to kill themselves. Slash, they're make sure they're having a good time. <laughs> perfect. What's funny is like we got off. You know, we're like, what do you kids want to do? And they're like. Swimming, and we're and they're like, all right, we'll go swimming. They're like, no, lap swimming. We're like, okay. <laughs> we went to this, we went to this amazing pool. There's an amazing pool. It's literally like a, I don't know, five minute drive from where we're we're at right here, and it's got like a 50 meter pool, and it's three pools. Everyone had like a lane. Guess how much it costs to go swim there? Oh no, how much? Free. Oh, really? What? Yep. Why? Yep. They didn't. I don't know. Man. They didn't hit Every, you with some Howley like, tax over there. No. 
I don't know. We're like, okay, kids, as much swimming as you guys want to do. We are Sweet. here to swim. Do you have any big we did plans? Like a family lap swimming. Yeah, it was good. Do you have any big plans for yourself while you're over there? Anything that you want to get done? I'm sure you're going to probably try and get some cool video for some. Uh, some. Yeah. Okay. So I flew the drone a little bit. I mean, I'm all about getting some good video and stuff. The problem is my kids don't put up with a lot of like, oh, dad wants to film some stuff or dad wants to go get some pictures. I would love to do some hiking and stuff like that. And my wife wants to do that too. But it's just tricky because the kids have zero desire to do that. Um, I'm probably going to do at least like one test, like open water swimming test with a couple of watches and stuff like that. And just try to get some footage of like some watches in different locations than my standard. My standard spot is like, if you need me, Heritage Trail, this is where you can find me. And now it's like, oh, I can finally, finally get some footage of something slightly different. So We'll see. I haven't broken up the camera as much as I'd want to just because you know how it is, Jake. It's like doesn't mix as well with family time when you're like, I need about an hour and a half of you guys just standing here and, you yeah. know, doing nothing. And yeah. Kids are like, yeah. Yeah. I, I found that if I just keep a uh, GoPro with me, you can get some yeah. pretty good footage and you can do some impromptu stuff yeah. and stitch all together. Now, I haven't done like a video like you've done, but I put together like some family trip videos that actually turned out pretty good. And I think the kids, after I sat down and took the time to make it look really nice and, and kind of made it right. give them all the feels, if, if you will, they're a little bit more tolerable of the whole like, hey, let's get some video or I'm going to get this out and we're going to do this. And I try not to take up yeah. too much of their time, but when it's all said and done, they appreciate the video. They liked the GoPro for um, snorkeling. Oh, yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. And so what I think I'll do is do some like a quick edit and post some stuff to Instagram and just be like, you know, I might either I might post it to my wife's Instagram or maybe mine, like in a story or something, because I always feel like people are looking for different stuff on my Instagram than maybe my wife, where she'll show more family stuff. So sure. who knows? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> nice. Yep. All right. Do you guys want to do some of the, the topic-y stuff? What are we talking about today? I don't know, but let's let, well, hold on here. But... Bro, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about, man? Oh, about? what are you talking about? The f*** are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I still don't know really what, what we're talking about. What are we talking about today, Jake? Well, there were a couple things. Do you want to just talk about both of them? Okay. Maybe like stitch two uh, smaller topics into one big giant topic and see where it goes. Okay. So we got two things we wanted to talk about. One was about the state of the bicycle industry in 2023. What's happening in this current economy? Yep. Good time and, to buy. Yeah. And the other was about... Uh, bicycle theft yep. and tips yep. for prevention or if you have ridiculous uh, bicycle theft stories. Matt, since you probably won't be able to join us for the entire episode, sure. what should we do first? What sounds interesting to you? We should, talk about, we should talk about the state of cycling industry theft. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Gotcha. Yeah. Like the uh, the thieves are having a hard time selling the stuff on the secondary market because it's a little bit flooded. Yeah, Prices are driving down. <laughs> so it's taking crack <laughs> off the table for them. Yeah. It's no sense in selling, you know, no sense in stealing bikes when the, the market is what it is. Is is that what's going on is we had like the backup? Here, here's my question because I actually, I'm going to be the guy that asks questions on this. I just don't know. I'm Bring not it. that tight with the industry. Is it the case? I mean, we all know that during COVID, you could not buy a bike. Correct. Yep. Did did manufacturers like ramp up production? And then now people are like, yeah, I'm going back to my commute on my, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, so in my minivan. The, the manufacturers that didn't have supply chain issues, yes, did ramp things up. The 
problem was almost every manufacturer had some kind of uh, hole in right. the system in in yeah. So yeah, during, okay. Like, so during so, COVID, like things like gyms shut down, people were stuck at home. They're getting a little stir crazy. They wanted to be fit and do stuff. So everybody rushed out to get a bike, and that took all of the bikes off the shelves. Then COVID happened, and then all of a sudden, like like you know, manufacturers had to shut things down. Their their warehouses were shut down. The manufacturing plants were shut down, and yep. nobody was making anything. And therefore, they couldn't fulfill the the need that was spiking at that point in time. So you've got basically this perfect storm of no bikes available. Like they're all gone because everybody came and bought what was there and then there's no more coming. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, we need bikes. Everybody needs bikes. Everybody wants parts and accessories and all these things and, and nobody was making them. Slowly everybody starts coming back online and, and, and we're still getting people stuff and everybody's putting in all these big orders. And then the the manufacturers are like, oh, there's great demand. Let's, let's ramp things up. Let's start building yeah. a bunch of stuff. Let's start doing everything under the sun. Well, Time goes by, everything COVID starts to die down, people go back to work, the gyms start to open back up, people that were, you know, basically jumping on bikes or probably discovering that eh, maybe this isn't for me, or maybe I'm just more of a fair weather person, just want to ride a couple times a year, or I just don't want to do this all, I'm going to get rid of my bike, and then that 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 starts to wane. You've got the... The, the bike shop's still needing inventory and then inventory finally starts to come in and then all of a sudden the secondary market starts to heat up because these people that bought all these bikes are starting to get rid of them. Yep. And then all of a sudden... Ooh, that's interesting. Then yeah. the economy... If you start- want to buy like a used... Like, so like used puppies... Or used bikes. Yep. Exactly. Are probably yeah. the hot. The market's flooded with both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, like the economy starts to slip. The economy starts to tank. And everybody's like, well, uh-huh. it depends on how you define a recession. But you know, whether you want to call it a recession or not, there's financial challenges right now. And there's a lot of people losing jobs. And there's all kinds of stuff right. going on. The interest rates are going up and people are getting a little bit nervous and they're pulling tight up on the, yep. the purse strings. So they're not buying new bikes. And a lot of some people are like, maybe we should get rid of those bikes that we bought. And so they're dumping them on the secondary market. It's just, it's a big giant mess right now. And I think that manufacturers overshot across the board. I think they overshot. Bike shops aren't taking in the bikes that the manufacturers went ahead and like kind of ramped things up for. They're they're turning away or their preseason orders. And so manufacturers are being left holding bikes and they can't survive. And bike shops aren't selling as many bikes as they would want to sell. So some of some bike shops aren't going to make it through this. The ones that didn't make it through COVID, they're they're going to take another punch to the the gut here. Can they can they weather that storm? Especially if they over ordered. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you got a bunch of bikes sitting on your floor, um, a lot of bike shops will finance those bikes in order to bring them in because you know bikes. If you start to do the math, if you're going to have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 bikes on the floor and they cost you somewhere between three, four, five, six, ten thousand $10,000 each, that all adds up really quickly. Yes. So all of a sudden you've got like, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting there and your customers have kind of gone quiet. Plus it's the quiet time of the year. I mean, they're, the bike industry above a certain um, equator, not equator, but a certain horizontal line of the country, like it, it's like your winter season and not as many people are out riding. So you're, you're hoping and praying that like when spring comes, hopefully people yeah. are going to start wanting to ride bikes and maybe we'll sell some bikes. So some bike retailers, instead of buying their stock or paying for it outright or buying the bikes that they're going to resell, they will finance those so they get 
a bigger order or more bikes in, yep. but they have to pay points on those. You have to pay interest on yep. on how they finance that, and they have to have payments. <clears throat> and if those bikes don't move or sell, do they eventually have to buy them outright? Yeah, exactly. Or you basically you lose out. I mean, they're going to come, you know, reclaim all of their their stuff. I see. And I, I've. I, I understand that model, and I understand that that's sometimes how you have to do things. I've never cared for that model because I don't want to be in a position of like, oh gosh, I'm staring down the barrel of, I've got to make my you know X payment for said bikes that I've financed. You know, some a lot of manufacturers will, oh, they all have different terms, but like sometimes you can get maybe three months interest free, and you basically have three months to get those bikes sold, or then you have to start making payments on them, and then you start losing on those bikes, and then. Maybe you make a few payments and you're losing some money, and maybe your shop all of a sudden just is not solvent anymore, and you you, you can't sustain you your, your business down. and you shut down. Yeah, we've seen lots of oh, yeah. uh, bike shops shut down for that very reason. Yeah, just here in the Portland area. Yep. So yeah. the athletic lounge. It, there's just like so, <laughs> go ahead, Matt. What does this mean for what does this mean for buyers? Like, if I'm like, oh, I need a gravel bike. I that's that's mm-hmm. like the one bike that you guys have been telling me to get. For sure. Since we've had the podcast, right? And so. Would you think like, oh man, secondary market right now, you like a used gravel bike is going to be primo or? Well, there's going to be more of them on the market if you ask me. I mean, that's that's probably the one bike that's probably still going to not say hold the same value, but that's going to still be a little bit more difficult because it's still relatively right. new to a lot of people. And it's like, how often do people turn over the bikes? I mean, I... I'm in a completely different situation. If I'm doing things the way that I want to be doing, I'm getting a new bike every year. And it's yeah. just because I have that luxury. But the thing is, is I need to get a new bike every year because I need to be able to ride all the different bikes to be able to speak to them and, and talk about them. And right. I'm also not shy about letting people borrow my bike if they want to test out a bike as well. So um, I'm going to go through a bike every single year. But the your, your standard person, I mean, how often are you going to change out your bike? And let, let's just pretend that you Lance don't have access. Yeah. Lance is a bad example. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bad I'm, example. I'm like one... I'm a pretty bad example too, because I'm I'm probably like once every three or four years, and I'm and that's still probably. I mean, a lot of people hold on to a bike for a, a decade, right? Yeah. Like, like well, time to move away from rim brakes or whatever it is, and that you know that could literally be yeah. ten year old bikes that are that are time to upgrade from. So, so I, we'll just say it's like three, four, five years somewhere in there. You know, that's it, roughly it, been what I've done. Yeah, it's somewhere mean, between three and five years, I've gravel bikes. Are, you mean no, no, no? Don't you mean like three or four times per year? No. <laughs> well, see, what happens is I just buy a new bike. I don't sell the old one. Yeah, that or he crashes a bike. Or and he's he crashed it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think the gravel industry is still not new. I mean, they've been around for a little while, but people still kind of have their yeah. gravel bikes, and there hasn't been like huge quantum leaps from like the the bikes that have come out in the last three or four years. So anyway. You're going to find them out there because there are going to be those people that went out and bought a gravel bike because that's the great thing. They want to be off the roads. They want to be out there getting their exercise in because they can't go to the gym. Those people like maybe just stopped riding them after a dozen times to sit in a garage. And then they're like, oh, that, that, you know, just sitting there. Maybe that's a three, four, five thousand dollar bill that I can put back in the bank. Yeah. yeah. You know, you might find some of those, but you know, your road bikes, I mean, road bike. You can definitely go out and find a yeah. deal on a road bike right now. And there's a plethora of them out there on the secondary yeah. market. Plus, you got all the bike shops that are like, I still have product left over from 2022. We're in 2023. The the manufacturers are coming out with the new 23 yeah. models, and I'm not selling these things quite as fast as I want to. So let's go ahead and discount them. Yep. Yeah, now that's a tricky game. 
bike shops have to abide by what's called map pricing, which is minimum advertised price. Now you can so if, so if a bike shop has a contract or a deal with a certain bicycle manufacturer, correct. they can't list that bike for less than a certain price. Yep. Is that right? Correct. Here in the United States, you're not allowed to do that. In Europe, they don't have map pricing. It's against the law for anybody to enforce that on a uh, a business to tell them how much they can sell a bike for. But here in the United States, that's not the fact. And that's why a lot of um, bike manufacturers or component manufacturers won't let certain bike shops or certain uh, online retailers do business in the United States because they don't have map pricing. And it's going to spoil uh. things here for the the U.S. people that are selling stuff. So there are still certain... Is that a what, Canyon thing? Mm, no. Because Canyon's like online only. They, they're on... Yeah, they're direct to consumer. There's no middleman there. So they yeah. they don't have to worry about bike shops because they... The, the, you're they right. Yep. But I'm talking about like Pro Bike Kit or uh, what's the, the Ribble... Ripple, what's the big one? The, the, a lot of uh, the UK it's guys. European. Is it Ripple or something like that? Anyway, it's another big uh, um, online retailer. Like, I think you can get onto some of those things, but there are certain manufacturers that they're not allowed to sell stuff here in the United States. Pro Bike Kit. Well, Pro Bike Kit's one Wiggle. of them. Wiggle, that's it. Um, so, like, yeah, I you. think if you try and go to uh, Wiggle and buy SRAM stuff, you can't have it sent here to the United States uh, because that basically that's a part of their agreement. Like you're, you can sell it to however much you want over there in the UK, but you can't ship that stuff to the United States because it, it um, affects the, the map pricing policies that they have here. That's interesting. So anyway, the, the bike shops are kind of held to this map pricing. And I think that we've started to see certain um, manufacturers relax a little bit more on those map pricing because they need to sell their new stuff. They need to keep supply moving. They need to keep the, the channels flowing and so they're allowing the the different shops or the the retailers to lower their prices so that it can entice more people to come in. Like for instance, I don't know if you guys remember during the holidays, SRAM, um, they for the first time in God ever, they completely removed map pricing. Like it was one they didn't say like, oh, you can mark everything down 20%, because that's typically what happens. Like you'll get an email and say, All right, we're gonna put stuff on sale from this date to this date, and you can change your prices uh that during that time period to this, but it has it has it, it can't, can't be, be lower, lower than, than that. Yeah. SRAM came out and said, here's a list, and it was a big list. I mean, it was a bunch of stuff. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of products that are like, we're completely removing all map pricing. I'm like, that's a strange, interesting Wow. Um they did that there. during the holidays. during the holidays. Yeah, so from like the middle of November until which, the end of the year, they basically said sell all of our stuff for how much you want. Which means yep. they had an abundance of inventory. Oh yeah, yeah, they had that too was, much stuff it, so that they couldn't sell. Think about it. They went nuts trying to get as yes. much stuff ordered, and you know, because there was a year you couldn't friggin' get anything. Exactly. <laughs> now, when you talk about the big component manufacturers, I think SRAM is winning. They're 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 crushing. They crushed is better than all of the other component measures. Like Shimano, they they pooped the bed. <laughs> they, they they are so far behind right now, if you ask me. But and then Campagnolo is kind of third tier. I mean, they make nice stuff, but they were kind of a little bit in the same situation. But SRAM was working their butts off. They were doing everything that they could to get stuff to people um, that needed stuff. So bike shops as well as bike manufacturers. If you go look. Like it used to be like if a, a, a bike manufacturer will just say for sake of a, a nice round number had like 100 different models of bikes that they were selling, maybe 20% of those had SRAM. Now I would say that SRAM has like the line share. I'd say they're like close to 60% of the bikes are set up with SRAM because nobody could get Shimano stuff. Nobody. 
Yeah. And there was like BMC had frames sitting around and they're waiting and waiting and waiting for all the Shimano stuff to come. Didn't didn't come to fruition. They right. needed to get bikes moving. They were able to get SRAM. They they outfitted those with SRAM. SRAM. I have a gravel bike currently for sale. Yeah. And I haven't sold I haven't listed it yet because it needs a Shimano. Shifter, yeah. Shifter. Jarek's shifter that we can't get. We can't get the shifter. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's been well, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it to you. Your- I'll I'll give it to yeah. you, Matt. You can have my my other ground. We don't even bike. have to change the seat. We don't even have to change the seat size. Just like I'll just hop on, hop on it right away. <laughs> that would actually be a Wait, really good bike. You, you don't need it. You don't need a shifter for it either. You can just. I hear I hear bike thievery. I just I'll just hit your house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear I hear it's easy to steal stuff these days. Yeah, maybe. It was just a, it was a very curious move by SRAM to do that because they they. They kind of overshot, so they just let everybody like, hey, sell for whatever you want. And I think that they ultimately were able to keep their stuff moving, and so they're gonna they they made theirs. They're always gonna make theirs. It's yeah. not like they were selling it to the, the 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 bike shops for less, but they pushed a bunch of stuff through. But it also makes me think, well, man, they must have had a surplus of inventory. Plus, there's some stuff that we're starting to see and rumors and the timing and everything is lining up to where they're going to have some new groups that's yeah. coming out this spring. And I have, I, yeah. I don't know anything. I'm just guessing, guessing. speculating. It's yeah. been four years since the 12-speed the stuff came out now. So we're yep. probably staring down the barrel of some new stuff. Some coming. So, kind of update. Yeah, all of a sudden they've got a bunch of stuff sitting on their shelves. They're like, well, crap, we got to get rid of that stuff. So let's let everybody sell like crazy and uh, see where that goes so that we can get the stuff off the shelves so that we can be ready for the next-gen stuff coming out. You know, Shimano came out with something. They came out with a... A GX set was that last year? Or was the year before? Ooh, I think it was about a year before. ago. It was about a year ago. So they came Maybe out with the new set. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But the, but all the they 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 they're pretty busy at Shimano right now. They've they've shot their whole like new product lineup out there, right? Like I don't expect anything new from Shimano for a while. No, they finally got their the stuff G- out like three and a half years after SRAM did in the twelve speed right. game, right? That, it would be interesting to see if at the spring classics we see anything because usually we'll see stuff on the pro bikes, whatever it is, six months before we see it in, in retail. I haven't seen anything from Shimano, but I have seen stuff in Sramland. So different Sram rear derailers. Like the one, right? yep, yeah. So curious, especially in the mountain bike scene. I'm curious to see what they come out with there. And I know that they're due. For some new red and force road stuff, so I'm curious to see are, are they gonna say, "Hey, welcome to the 12 speed game, Shimano. Here's 13 speed for you." Right? <laughs> Who knows? Wait. Didn't Saram just sign with someone like some big team? Didn't some team switch, or maybe it was just yeah, it was Jumbo Sir, Jumbo Visma? Jumbo Visma just was, switched. Jumbo Visma. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Did we talk about that on the podcast? We did it. It was it, it was interesting because Wout Van Aert was in the middle of his cyclocross season, and the season goes from November to January, February, obviously. Yeah. And December thirty first, there was a race that all his bikes had Shimano on, and then he the next race he did was January second, two days later, and all his bikes have been switched to SRAM. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna have a couple of mischiefs in here, but I'll figure yep. it out. <laughs> <clears throat> so wow. anyway, to, to go back to your question, Matt, like if you're looking for a gravel bike, should you look on the secondary market or should you look in the new market? I, I think that, you know, that, that Matt pricing, they, they can't sell for below that. But I think if you were to walk into a bike shop and say, hey, listen, if your bike's not on sale, are you curious or interested in making me a deal? Uh, chances are, I'd say like 95%, yep. they're going to say yes. They might do a deal. And if they have it on sale, if you were to ask like, hey, can you do a little bit better than that? They might say, yeah, yeah. Because I need to get these bikes off the floor. I need to move some inventory, and some of them might need to pay some 
like yeah. their some of their payments, you know. And right. I'll just come out and say, like, with the dialed cycling lab, we have never financed anything. It's all been bootstrapped. It's all been done. It's all in-house. been the pockets of Lance Hepler. <laughs> I wish that was the case. You get you, you signing a check over here? I haven't, I'm not signing a check. No, Lance did do a deal with me on some bikes. We had an opportunity by Lance came in on uh, that with me. But everything else, I, I, I tell some people this, but I've never really come out and said it. Like, dialed cycling was kind of like that, uh, like that brainchild. And it was kind of a, a little challenge that I put out there for myself. Cause when I wanted to start it, I had another business that I did. And it was one of those things that was, you know, it was a lot of money invested and it was, it got to be a very big operation. It was a point where we had 35 employees yep. and our monthly net was, you know, sometimes close to a hundred thousand yep. dollars and had really big facilities and all that other stuff. And it was a challenge sometimes. Cause like you go through stuff like 9-11 or you go through like wildfires or you go through the startup process or just like little challenges that you run through. And I never really wanted to do that again. I didn't want to be super invested in a business and I never was sure if I ever even wanted to have employees again. But um, I love the bicycling industry. I love working with that stuff. I love working with the people. I, I, I A lot of the reps are super cool. The, the industry is just fun. And I wanted to do something again. And I kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit. So when I started this, my wife's like, oh, gosh, how much is this going to cost us? How much are we going to have to invest into this? <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'll make you a deal. I'm not going to spend a red cent on this thing. So it's kind of like taking a paperclip and trying to trade it up into a Ferrari. Right. That's kind of how it started. With this, and basically, what I did was, I'm like, I had a plan, and then I basically took, like, just very simple things that didn't cost anything, and then each time money came in, I reinvested it, reinvested it, reinvested it, and then I had a couple opportunities that came along, and you know, like, they they say that there's, you know, there's you're you have luck. I mean, there's certain things that you have, and yes, I was lucky, but I was also persistent, and I was always putting myself out there, and I was putting myself in positions where like that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have had that luck if I hadn't been putting myself out right. there. Right. And I had opportunities that I took advantage of, and we just kept growing and growing and growing. And then fast forward to now, like everything that's in the shop is bought and paid for it's by the shop for. from the very beginning. It's just been compounded and that's that's just one of those fun things so yeah. we're not in a situation where we're worried about that so i'm happy to talk about this this isn't like forecasting like uh yeah i was just kind of trying to put this out there to let everybody know on sale. Sale. yeah because we're going out of business no that's not the case we're no. completely fine we're <laughs> not for nothing i don't like it when things are bad but when things are challenging like this that's good if you put yourself in a good position because you can take advantage of that and make better deals for your business and you can make better deals for your customers and you can make more people happy. Well, from, Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I bet you manufacturers are willing to deal. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 That's kind of nice from, from my perspective. I mean, it seems like, I mean, we started the cycling team. This was really Jake's brainchild to start the cycling team. Yeah. And then the shop kind of started to support the cycling team mm-hmm. and since we were already supporting the cycling team and this was just in the garage just 40 steps away from where we are yeah. right now yeah. it was just in jake's garage we just started doing stuff for the the shop for the cycling team but then it was very easy for us to it to spread from the cycling team mates to their friends and to yep. their family members and so that it kept growing and it kept growing and it got to the point where yeah. okay this doesn't work in the garage anymore correct we need to find some other space and we started with one space and we started very cheaply with one space that we weren't you know the 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 overhead was kept very low and it just it kept growing to the point where okay now we have our own brick and mortar location yeah. but we've we've just kept all those those 
overhead pieces, very, I shouldn't say we, Jake kept everything kind of in check so that it we were never you were never overextended. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right yeah. now we could not do business for an entire year and still probably even keep a couple employees around and be fine. I don't yeah. want to do that. If that no. would just be stupid, but it's it's insulated and we're protected and this is going to be a time where it's like, all right, if we play our cards right, we can actually figure out a way to make this be a win for everybody. For the yeah. manufacturers, to the lab, to the staff, to our customers and the people that are connected with us. So I, I, I thought this was kind of an interesting topic. And Lance and I kind of like debated about this. I'm like, well, is this a bad thing for business? I'm like, do we need nah, to should we talk just about be transparent? This? You know, just <laughs> yeah. be transparent, let people yeah. know. So, you know, it's it's fun to be able to support our team. It's fun to be able to support the community. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next six months to a year. So, I agree. Yeah. But um, Matt, I guess to finalize what I was saying is you might be able to find yourself a really good deal on a gravel bike that's yeah. new, that's not going to be uh, used in somebody else's problem or something that Lance Hepler jumped off the side of a cliff. So I only put yeah. like 3,000 hard miles on that <laughs> gravel bike. I shouldn't have said that. If anybody wants a good deal on a, on a gravel bike, get, get never been used. Never been used. <laughs> it's never been used. It's just been hanging on the wall. Yeah. Matt, do ne- you, never the, the rider never descends quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you hear from a lot of people from around the world. You've got a pretty big following on your YouTube channel. You've got a lot of people that will just stumble onto your video your videos. Do you ever hear people talking about what's going on with the economy or supply chain issues or just like getting deals or just stuff in general with the state of the whole economy right now? So absolutely, every video, there'll be comments about the price of anything that's being reviewed, right? And so a lot of it, so I think it's important for us to mention that in the inflation that's been going on is is affecting everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's affecting every price, it's affecting every manufacturer, it's affecting everyone that's buying stuff, which is everyone. And for prices, if you see them staying steady, that's crazy, you know, and, and we need to think about that, too, is, is that we're talking about, like, prices of bikes and things like that. Technically, that should all be going up significantly. And I'm not sure we're seeing that. Like, sometimes I'll see a watch and I'll say, and it'll be like, hey, this watch was $600 last, whatever, two years ago. Now it's $500. Like, yep. that's crazy. Prices should not be going down in the manufacturing world. Like, I, that makes no sense to me. And then I'll still get people complaining about how expensive the watch is. And I get it. Like, these are expensive products. It's just interesting to me, like where pricing has been and where it's going and expectations, because I think people are hurting in the economy for sure. And, and when you see the prices of some of these particular items, they're high end items still. So yeah. we get it. It's expensive. Gotcha. It's, uh, it's tough right now. I mean, inflation, interest yeah. rates going up. Yeah. Property values following, following people losing yeah. jobs, you know, supply chains that have just got this whole like cataclysmic kind of effect thing going on here. Ebbs and flows are happening all over the place. So it's a, it's a little bit rough out there right now. And how, how do we navigate this? I mean, as consumers, as bike shop people, as people that want to push the industry forward, I mean, do you think with all of this stuff going on that, you know, we're going to see manufacturers going out of business? Do you think that we're thwarting research and development because people are like, you know, worried about making sure that they're going to be able to keep their staff on or be able to sell their parts and they're going to cut certain things. I mean, if you think about it, 
if you're a big manufacturer and you're trying to be, you know, cutting edge, you're trying to, you know, stand top of stuff and you're trying to push the envelope, but all of a sudden, like your sales are down, you've got a ton of staff that you've brought on and maybe things are a little bit heavy and you're trying to figure out where to cut costs. I mean, I think research and development might, might be one of those first things and you just kind of keep rolling with what you have, get rid of some other people and try and tighten the ropes a little bit. But if, if people, I think people are hesitant to cut research and development for, for manufacturing. I think that's a funny spot yep. um, that that tends to keep a budget. You know, uh, I definitely think that people are going to, I think we're going to see ma- massive layoffs in the bike manufacturing industry. Um, What's already you happening? Know, what is an, interesting company, an interesting company that we should mention is Wahoo, right? Uh-huh. Like they're, they're in a bad spot right now. Yeah. I would not be surprised if there's significant reduction in their workforce. Uh, and, and, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with them. I think they're in a very, they, they basically just had like a, a debt rating um, where they basically got reviewed pretty poorly. And I think that that reflects pretty badly for investment in that company. Is that right, Jake? I'm probably bur- like butchering. The you're, you're, here. No, you're correct. I mean, they were downgraded in terms of their, I don't know, maybe whatever their Dun & Bradstreet rating is or whatnot. Correct. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's not good times. And the, that industry that they're in, I mean, a big part of what they do is trainers and whatnot. And that really was something that was super hot. Like you couldn't get trainers during the whole COVID thing because everybody was riding bikes indoors. They right. were killing it. And then all of a sudden saturation set in and people stopped buying stuff and they come out with new products and they're not innovating. I mean, the difference between right. a Gen 4 and a Gen 6 Wahoo kicker, not much. I mean, maybe some well, access feed the on, and they raised the price hundred bucks to boot. So, I mean, when they should have been yeah. going the other direction, I mean, they're in the middle of litigation with Zwift right now over like patent infringements with their, the kicker core and the, the Zwift trainer that was there. The new hub, the, the new hub thing. I think they've finished that litigation. No, now. it's, it's settled. No, it's not. It's still active. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm about 99.9% sure. As a matter of fact, I think that uh, DC Rainmaker just came out with a video, I think it was yesterday or today, talking about the new uh, steering control thing for RGT. Oh, RGT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually alluded to the pending and ongoing litigation between Zwift and Wahoo that's still fully... No one follows his channel. No one, no one watches <laughs> him on YouTube. So, but um, yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic company. Great stuff. I... Some of the nicest right. people there. Yeah, I, I just I I love working with them. They've been great customer service. The people are very on top of things. They have good products. I think that they just need to kind of take a step back and they need to consolidate and they need to figure some things out and they need to figure out what it is that they want to do. These next couple steps are going to be crucial for them. Yeah, I think that they need to, like Matt said, like people shouldn't be cutting research and development, and, and I agree with that. And I think that that's where they need to kind of step up and they need to figure out how to not reinvent the wheel but kind of push the envelope. They've, they are in a good position with a lot of their bike computers. Their watch needs to go away. Their trainers are fantastic, but they really haven't been innovated yep. much in the last four years. If you ask me, five years, I think that they can make them better. They shouldn't be raising their prices, maybe. I don't know. The kicker bike just came out. Wasn't The, the version, version 2 kicker yeah. bike just came out. Wasn't a huge drastic change to the version 1. Right. No. And yeah. still fairly expensive for They raised for the price is. by 500 bucks, was yeah. it? Yeah. And what you got for that extra 500 bucks wasn't a whole heck of a lot. I mean, get the wife. That's a huge price increase on yeah. an already expensive product yep. in a saturated market. Yep. I think that's a rough combination there. And I bet you their sales are in a bad spot too. If I were looking at that, I would I would be thinking like we're going to restructure this company as in like 
massive layoffs. Yeah. Massive. I know that. And, and they may go down to a smaller amount of product SKUs as well. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, Specialized, if I'm not mistaken, just had a bunch of layoffs and they let go of a bunch of ambassadors and they cut a lot yeah. out of their budget. They cut almost the whole specialized ambassador program. Yeah. Not all of it, but right. like 90% chunk. of it. Yep. So athletes who had been ambassadors for specialized for a decade, yep. still it it they they still got axed, yep. more or less. Yep. And then they let off they I think they let go five or ten percent of their whole workforce. Right. Oh. Yeah. And that's that's it's interesting because I think we're gonna see that like, you know, industry wide, maybe um, tech industry as well as like where I'm seeing like massive cuts, all of these companies are just like, yeah, about 10% we're going to cut. And I think that that's just like the forecast for, you know, a recession is real for the next, for this year that we're in 2023. It's, I think it's legitimate. And I think that these companies almost do it preemptively thinking that like, Hey, this is an opportunity for us to cut the fat a little bit and, Typically, you know, the stock market rewards that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's very true. So let's say that you uh, you're short on funds. Is now a good time to steal a bike? Can we just go steal bikes instead? That's, yeah, that that is absolutely prime time. It's prime time to steal a it's bike. Perfect. I mean, there's some uh, there's some steal I'm, steal of a deal out there. There's definitely a lot of those, of but I deal. think it's just easier just to steal a bike. Uh, um, maybe unless you <laughs> depends on which bike shop you you are uh, getting your maintenance work done on. That's right, Jake. Yeah. We just we had another situation this week at the Dialed Cycling Lab, didn't we? We did, but it thankfully, thankfully was not something that was our problem. It's not like somebody right. was trying to break into the lab, and they were you know trying to steal stuff from us again. Um, it was a strange thing that. You know, well, let's just back the bus up here real quick. I'm very sensitive to that. You know, I had a bike stolen from me when I was a little kid. I was, it was my Schwinn Stingray. It was like a 19, I don't know, 70, I'm dating myself, 79 Schwinn Stingray or something like that. And that was like the first new bike I'd ever you were, had. You were 30 years old with, in 1979. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm in really good shape and I look fantastic for my age. But um, I, that yeah. bike was stolen from me and it crushed me as a kid. And then, you know, Different things have happened over the course of time, and we've had bikes stolen from us from the lab, and that just sucks. And I always, it always like breaks my heart when you see a kid or anybody for that matter lose a bike. Lance, you've had bikes stolen from you. Yeah, I had uh, somebody break into a shed and steal step, seven bikes Oof, from me, like yeah. forty thousand dollars <laughs> worth of bikes out of my shed. Matt, have you had stuff stolen from you before? Not really, no. No, well, we'll just say that that's a good thing. It is a good thing. But um, anyway, so I'm very sensitive to that. And then you you always hate to see it, but it, it pops up on social media. Like, hey, I had somebody break into my fill-in-the-blank yeah. and stole my bike or my bikes, and they're all gone. Be on the lookout for said bikes, and they'll post pictures up, and then everybody starts sharing it, and everybody wants to go out and with their pitchforks and get all of the thieves and all that stuff. But anyway, you see that stuff and it just like breaks your heart and you're like, all right, what can I do to help this person out? Or, you know, at, at a minimum, I am going to definitely keep an eye out for him. So this past summer, there was somebody here in our local cycling community that had somebody break in and steal his and his son's bike. I think he broke into their car. I don't know exactly what the I was story to was. Find it. 
but anyway, their their bikes were stolen. And I remember that this happened right before some big races and we were out at the races. And as a matter of fact, I actually helped them set up one of the replacement bikes that somebody let them borrow, had to swap over a cassette and help them get a few little things dialed in before a race. But anyway, that just it just never sits right with you. We had a person that had come into the lab and was looking to get into the, the sport of actually triathlon, but they wanted to get a road bike because they want to put some clip on aero bars. So they were coming in to look at a few of the consignment bikes that we had. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go look around a little bit more and I'll be back in touch with you. And while he left and then he searched around and on Facebook marketplace, stumbles across a bike that looks like it's a really good deal. It's got all the stuff. It's got some electronic shifting. It's got the nice wheels. And it was a, a really good price, like a really good price. And he's like, like, you know what? It's like too good to be true price. Yeah, but the person had a story and a reason for all of that. And hook, line, and sinker later, um, he buys the bike. He calls us and lets us know, like, hey, thank you for showing me the bikes. Appreciate it. I ended up finding something else that was a really good deal. I'm like, well, I can't beat that. You know, good deals. Because, you know, like we said, there's lots of good deals yeah, out there. Yeah, sometimes it does happen, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, people it's just when, I always It's always like when you see it and they're like, we don't, I don't really know what components these are. There's some components on the bike and you're like, uh, that's, you know, Shimano DI2. You're like, you would know this if you actually were selling a bike. Right? Yeah. yours. So he rolls it into the lab because he wants to get it tuned up because it does need a little bit of love. Yep. And he's got a, some things like he was saying, like, you know, I need to make sure it's fit right for me and you guys can help me with that. And all the things were like, yeah, more than happy to help you. Stoked that you got yourself a bike. Um, the bike comes into the lab and it rolls, uh, Paul and does the whole intake on it. And then he, I'm in the back working away on the computer doing my thing. And then the bike rolls back and I look over and I look at that bike and, bike, and Paul's like, oh, he, he here's the bike that he just bought. And the second I saw the bike, I'm like, Oh no, like the sinking feeling in my stomach. I'm like, I think that's a stolen bike. Paul's like, what? I'm like, I think that's this person's bike. And I'm like, give me a second. Cause I'm going to go see if I can find the post. So jumped onto Facebook, went to that person's profile, scrolled all the way back to the summer. And I looked at the pictures of the bikes that he had posted. And sure enough, I'm like, Paul, <laughs> I'm about 99% sure that that's a stolen bike. And, uh, it breaks my heart, but I, I, we're going to have to press pause on doing anything to this bike until we can notify all of the people involved here and let them know. So I reached out to the gentleman who the bike was stolen from with some pictures and said, Hey, is this your bike by chance? Um, and kind of gave him a little bit of a brief background and, and sent that over. And it, it actually took him until like the next morning to get back to me. And I, I thought it would be a little bit quicker of a response, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, Paul and I got to thinking, I'm like, I don't want to make this other guy think that, you know, we're working on his bike when we're not. And I didn't want to sit on it. I didn't want it to be a situation too, where like this guy might have information on the person that sold it to him. So maybe we do need to bring him into the loop now. Cause I was thinking at first, like, let's just find out, make sure, let's verify that this is in fact his. Cause I was 99% sure, but there's still that 1% chance. So anyway, came back to it, thought better of it and said, we need to reach out to him and tell him kind of what happened. And the guy was utterly like, just like shelled. He was super sad whatever, but he totally got it and he couldn't have been more understanding and, and more proactive about the whole thing. Anyway, fast forward, the whole thing ended up working out. Uh, the person the bike originally belonged to confirmed that it was in fact his, and there was plenty of stuff on the bike. He's like, there's this and this and this. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. That's all there. And told the other person. And so they, uh, they got together and they got it all sorted out with all the powers that may be. Um, I don't know if he was able to go back and f the person that bought the bike, I don't know if he was able to go or contact the person that he bought it from. I think he mentioned that he might have reached out to him because this person was selling the bike on marketplace, Facebook marketplace. 
and you've got seller history there. You've got contact information, and th that's linked to a person that that was actually there. So I don't know if What's he was the there? thief or if he bought it from a th somebody that stole it or whatever. But there's there's yeah. got to be some recourse there. I'm hoping that they're still able to get some some sort of information or have some sort of recourse there. But th we'll have to put a pin in that, and I'll I'll update everybody if we get more information. But long story short, it all worked out. Um, you know, because the person who had the bikes stolen from them had like an insurance claim and, you know, Lance has dealt with insurance stuff on this kind of stuff before yep. too. And generally speaking, if the bikes come back, they just tell you to, because it's, it's small potatoes. It's like a drop in the bucket. It's not worth their time to deal with a stolen bike, right? Yes. And so that's ultimately what's going to end up happening here as well. And then he's going to have the guy pretty much keep the bike, but the guy insisted, and I think that there was some stuff that might have been exchanged with respect to deductibles. I don't want to disclose the whole thing, but it was it was a happy ending. But at the end of the day, bike thieves, they suck. They suck. Yeah. Here's the beauty of this story. The, the reason that this was solved was because the guy who got the bike stolen posted about it. Yeah. He, he posted pictures of his bikes on yeah. Facebook and on Instagram. Yep. And said, hey, just a heads up. Um, and, and this is something that the Obra community, the Oregon bike racing community, actually does pretty well. Is, um, is hey, my bikes were stolen last night. Here's some pictures of the bike. If you see them, and there's been four or five stories in the Obra community where people have recovered their bikes because okay. they've seen <laughs> Okay, the this bikes. same guy that had the bike stolen from him that we helped this bring this all back to, oh, there's yeah. a great story about him. Some, I, I think it was a lady who had her bike stolen from her, and it was very unique to her. There was things on it, like colors and a saddle and just yes. different things. And, like, he saw her, like, post something up, and he figured out, or he saw that bike posted online. He set up a meeting with that person, showed up, took the bike from him, and said... You're, I'm the, taking this from I'm you. I'm taking this from and you. Like, uh, you. And like, the, the guy got scared of the, this person because he he could be a little bit, you know, gregarious, you know, <laughs> and basically just went and just walked away with the bike yeah, just and got it back to the rightful owner. Back, just, yeah. just just stole yeah. the bike back. Bike was still in good shape. I'm like, that is freaking fantastic. Yes. Now, that's a very risky thing to do. Right. Yeah. It, yes, it is. You shouldn't encourage people to do that. No, I mean, usually you want to let someone with a badge and a gun take care of that. Yeah. But still a cool story. <laughs> Very cool story. It's a pretty cool so, story. But uh, yeah. But so I mean, the point, the point I'm trying to bring up is, if you do have something stolen, post, post about it. it. Yeah. Um. Or, or if you don't have your serial number written down somewhere or it's not recorded somewhere, go write it down yeah. somewhere yep. or register your bike with, with, uh, what is it? Bike monkey or there's, there's, there's a few, there's a few places where you can actually register mm -hmm. your bike, what it looks like, what the serial number is so that if it does get stolen, it goes into a database. Yeah. There so. is, there are stolen bike databases too, where you can go and input your stuff after it gets stolen as well. It's uh, that's a smart Jake, thing. I have to a do. question for you. Go ahead. Does dial does the does the store re help record serial numbers for the bikes that you have that you have sold? We have a serial number for every single bike. Yes, it's it's all wow. in the 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 documentation of when the bikes are coming through. So okay. we have data and and whatnot. I don't create a database, but um, every single person that purchased a bike, I have a way of referencing that, and it's a pretty simple process for us to look down. And not simple. It might take me a few minutes, but. Yeah, that's just a nice service to add, right? Where it's like, hey, if you ever need something, we have some information on your yeah. bike or whatever. And we do. 
run a consignment program and we do get people that bring in bikes right. that we don't know these people from anybody. Yeah. And those bikes that come in, if we don't know the person, we will run the serial number through the stolen bike registry just to make sure it doesn't pop up as being a problem. And I've had countless people call me and say, Hey, do you buy bikes? Or, Hey, I want to, I want to sell a bike. I only huh. want this much. Money. And like, I almost like beg those people to bring the bikes in. I don't know if I sound desperate because I've just like, I'm going to catch you, you mofo. I'm going to get you, <laughs> you know, you piece of ice cream sandwich, you. So <laughs> yeah, there's two websites, one called bikeindex.org. There you go. Where you can uh, list it. And then another called bikeregister.com where you can check serial numbers and, or enter your bike. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, that's a good thing. So what are you guys doing to keep your bikes from getting stolen? I know that we've talked about this before because remember back in the day when Jay Hamlin had his little run-in with the the kids that jumped him on the he spring water and got... He got attacked a, on the spring water trail and the bike stole drug from, from him. him. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked yeah. about stuff back then. And those then, were but, recovered, by the way. Yeah. They were... They, he posted about it and pictures. Yep. And like three days later, they, yep. they were recovered. Yep. They were recovered pretty quickly. Yeah. The there were late or there were teens. I think they were like sixteen or seventeen year old kids. Yeah. That at the end of the day just got a slap on the wrist for assaulting a person. Yeah. And leaving him bloodied and hurt and in physical therapy. We stole his bike. They got a slap on the wrist. Yeah. That is just not right. But I, I digress. What are you guys doing to keep your bikes from getting stolen? I mean, it's going to be that time of year where we're going to be transitioning to all kinds of riding outside and going to cafes and our bikes are going to be in our garages or on the backs of our cars. I mean, what are you guys doing to keep your bikes from getting stolen? I live in a compound. So, um, <laughs> on the, on the way through the airport, I was like, Oh crap. I forgot to put air tags in all my luggage, but guess what they sell at the airport? Air tags. Do they really? Air tags. Yeah. And so I picked up another pack of four overpaid for them, but air tags are great, right? Because you can hide them on a bike. Sure. You can hide them under the seats. They make um, really cool pieces like air tags that can go into the like right underneath where you put your water bottle. Yep. Or you can get creative and put them in other locations. And that's fantastic. If someone does walk away with your bike, then you theoretically could, you know, find exactly where they are, where they're located, and hopefully contact the police and let them know, like, hey, this is, my bike was just stolen and I'm tracking it right now or whatever yep. it is. There's a company oh. called Nog that you might be familiar with their bicycle yeah. lights. They make a really cool little anti-theft device as well called the Scout, if I'm not mistaken. Um, one of these years, I'll do a video on it with Lance. Uh, <laughs> we've had these things for a little while. We've actually sold quite a few of them. That was a really popular thing at the holidays. But basically what it is, yeah. um, it's uh, like a, about the thickness of an AirTag. And I think it is, it's using the AirTag te technology. There isn't a physical AirTag in it, but it's using all that technology and it connects to the Find My network on all of the Apple Mac stuff. So it, okay. you, it only works on their network, but it actually mounts underneath your water bottle cage. And what's cool about it is it's got all of that, that tracking stuff built into it. But what else it has is a, a built-in alarm. So if you're if you put the bike up against a wall or something like that and say you walk into a coffee shop and a person moves that bike or even bumps it, it's going to set off an alarm that's super loud. I mean, it like makes you put your hands over your ears. It's that loud. Uh -huh. And so if somebody tries to jack your bike, if somebody moves your bike, it's going to go off. And maybe if there's two or three bikes there and they try to take yours first and the alarm goes off, they might ditch yours and grab somebody else's bike instead. So sorry, Lance, he stole your bike because I had an alarm <laughs> on mine, but... I don't know. That's a pretty cool device, too, because it uses the Find My thing. It's got the alarm, and it works really well, and it's pretty discreet as well, and it's not a very heavy thing to put on your bike. That's a great idea. So yeah. I like it. I do have I, I do have a, an, an AirTag on my bike. You do now? I do. 
Yeah. Are you going to tell us where you put it or is that no, top secret? It's top secret. Yeah. It's in, it's in my prison wallet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, you, all right, I got to drop guys. You got to right. get out of here, Matt. You got a one last thing yep. for us before you go. Um, I literally, I, I made a video last week, posted it this week so that I could keep my streak alive of posting once per week. It's about the, uh, sweat sensor thing. Oh yeah. It's a, basically a patch. It's a patch you put on your bicep and you sweat on it and it'll tell you about your sweat and how much you're sweating. It'll give you feedback in real time as you're sweating. Sweet. Cool. You can yeah. go, go play in the, the surf over there. You guys going to go do some beachy things right My now? My kid is bugging me because he wants to go swim lap swimming. So we're going to go do that. Sweet. Have fun. Matt, yep. one of the best restaurants on the island of Maui is called okay. Mama's Mama's Fish House. It's actually very okay. quite famous, but it's all the way up in Paella. So it's on it's on the east. It's it's north of the airport. It's not on the west gotcha. Maui. It's just north of the airport. But okay. but it, but it is very popular and it's very expensive. But Mama, there, Mama's Fish House, Roy's Fish House too over there. Yes, that's the other place. That's down in Kihei. Is, Roy's is the place ooh. I was trying to think of. And yeah. It's in Kihei. That's a good one, too. That's okay. a good one, too. Yeah. So, all right, okay. Matt. Thank Aloha. You Have fun, buddy. See you, bud. <laughs> See you. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Ah, oh, Matt's gone. That's sad. <laughs> I, I miss Matt. You do? Yeah. I haven't seen him in a month. You have been gone. And it, <laughs> I, I just think gone. it's totally funny that, you know, he, <laughs> he he's he, gone and you're back. He left, so I came back. Why am I always here? I don't know. I need a freaking vacation. I it's need to because you're running the bike shop, <laughs> <laughs> and your kids are in school. Matt just tears his kids out of school. There's no vac. There's no vacation right now. Is there from school? No. Matt I mean, just, he just took them out of school for the week. There's gonna be maybe like a President's Day coming up soon, but yeah, they just they're they're gone. Yeah. So I, I guess that's what you can do. So I guess that's what you can do. We done talking about thievery stuff. We done talking about all of the bike industry stuff. We're done with all that stuff. Yeah. Are we gonna go out of business now? We are not because we've <laughs> kept our overhead low. Well done. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let us move on here to Champ Valley. Top five. Champ here. The top five discussion. Champ here. I'm not just gonna Champ top is five? here. Champ you, is right here. Not, you said something about a top five in there. No, what's, the, what's the top five list I, for today? I, got, I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, so this <laughs> last week, um, the Cyclocross World Championships happened. If you haven't seen this race, uh, there's replays of it on, on YouTube or on GCN Plus uh, or on Flow Sports. The race was frigging amazing. It is exactly what we hoped for and expected. This big showdown between... Wout Van Art and Matthew Vanderpool, and uh, it boy did it deliver. So I couldn't have been more wrong with my pick. <laughs> I said that Wout was going to win by over a minute, and I think it was just based on how things were shaping up leading up to it. I mean, Vanderpool had some back issues. He just seemed like he was a touch off. He seemed like he was kind of thrown in the towel. But my question to you, Lance, was he playing possum? <laughs> was he setting? Maybe. Was he setting up uh, he, Wout the whole time? To the, this whole last month and a half? Think that he's like some superhuman and then uh, <laughs> shows up on that day. And I mean, neither of them made mistakes. They rode super clean, but MVP, oh my gosh. That kick at the end was just like, it, you can't, you cannot respond to that no. when you're in uh, Wout's position. And Wout is one of the best sprinters in the world and, and Vanderpool sprinted away from him. Yeah. So, I it, mean, he tried to go, but... It just wasn't. He didn't room. cover any of that gap. No, it was just done. Yeah, it I mean, was amazing. If 
I, I think I saw a couple things that he said he should have, or the people were, the pundits were saying different things like he should have done this, that, and the other. I mean, how, how does he win that race? How did, how do you go back? If you could rewind it, say three minutes in that, the last lap, how do you win that race? Somebody has want? to make a mistake. Yeah. And nobody made a mistake. Wout and Vanderpool, they didn't make a mistake. They, they didn't put a foot down other than. Uh, why like, did, why did Wout come around him with. I think he thought maybe he could get away from him. Yeah. Why did Wout? So, so the question is, yeah. did did Vanderpool sag a little bit so that Wout went around yeah, him? That's what I would so do. That, so that Vanderpool was behind him yeah. and could get the jump of yeah, jump he's on getting him, a draft and there, there's a draft there. Plus, he gets to make that decision. Well, he doesn't get to, but it, it, it's easier for you to make that decision when you're in the second bowl. Like, because if he gets up and jumps, he can uh, Wout. That is. He's going to see that right away. Yes. Wout can't see behind him. What I mean, he's looking. He's trying to. He's taking yes. peeks. And the, if he takes a peek the second he looks back to the forward, that's when you go, when he's least expecting it. He also didn't... He, Vanderpool didn't wait. They got on the finishing straight. Yeah. And it looked like he was sitting right behind him. And I'm like, oh, is he just going to sit there for, you know, 100 meters? No. They, like, got on the finishing straight. He waited, like, two seconds. Oh, yeah. And then just jumped. I so. really want to see his power profile. <laughs> what did he hit? What did he hit? Did he hit fifteen hundred watts? Did he Maybe fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hundred watts. watts? It had, I mean, yes, that is a long race. There's a lot of matches burned during that race, and you know that he's not going to be able to match his like you know his core sprinting power when he's completely fresh. And yeah. I, I'm scared to even think what that might be. But he put in some serious watts right oh, there because he exploded, and it was just like, up, oh, that's over. <laughs> he's not going to cover that. It was so fun to watch. The race was fantastic. I don't. I don't um, if you watch the Flow Sports uh, stuff, they had a they had a drone on the course, following like th- them through the trees in this section where they didn't have yep. any other like you know a stationary cameras. It was brilliant. Yep. The footage of it was fantastic. Of yep. The drone just following right above them, and that was just super cool. So yep. that was a little DJI drone. That those things are pretty cool. It's their. Um, Avada, I think is what it's called. It's a, a little FPV drone, which is really cool. And what I like about that is it's very user-friendly. It's something that I could teach you how to fly pretty quickly. And it, most drones that you see people going out and getting cinematic footage or like trailing people or just like those, those, those high shots, those are going to be... I'm not going to say that they're going to be dumbed down, but there's a lot of flight control that's going into stabilizing them, but you can't like tilt on them. You can't like roll. You can't get that first person like POV where it's, it's diving around on those drones. So you're pretty much stuck. Like if you're going to try and drop the nose down, it's not going to happen. The only way that you can do that is you can adjust the gimbal. That's got the little camera to like, as you're going forward, you can actually make it like kind of tilt down as you're lowering your elevation. Uh It won't dip the nose down so that it looks like it's a plane going down. You know what I mean? So it goes up and down and side to side and circles around, but it won't like do that whole first person stuff where it rolls and whatnot. So the little Avada, it's got the ability to do that. And it's got a couple different ways that you can use it. And what I really like about it is all of the props are covered by prop guards. So you can fly that thing into trees. And a lot of times it will bounce backwards and it's not going to crash because the, the, the blades aren't being hit. So you can bounce back and follow. So that's why they were flying it through this trees. And I was watching that a couple of times, seeing it like, I don't know if they lost connection or if the person flying it just made a bad turn. Like 
you're expecting it to make a turn and all of a sudden it goes into trees and they cut to a different um, angle. So I don't know if it angle. crashed and they had somebody over there putting it back up or if you was able to save it. But those give you some really cool shots and you can do a lot of that first person stuff and they make it very easy to fly those where it's not full like FPV where you're, you've got full control and like you can crash it really easy. Yeah, They've got it to where they will make it a little bit more user-friendly and you can do all that stuff, but it really kind of helps you through that process. So that's a really neat little drone that cost about 900 bucks or so okay. and you get a pretty decent picture quality out of it and it was pretty neat to see them using well, it. Well, it was, it was awesome. Sorry the, to nerd out on that, yeah. but I, I love those little drones. <laughs> <laughs> the footage was fantastic. Yeah. That was very cool. The other thing was there were 40,000 spectators there. That was rad. There were so many people that yeah. they were in a couple sections. They were 30 people deep wow. in some sections. So yeah. Seeing the crowds and all the people there was just amazing. The so. roar during that last lap was fantastic. I mean, uh, you kind of felt like I'm getting goosebumps thinking yeah, about it. It's kind of like a you know being in a soccer stadium or a football stadium in a big match. I mean, that's kind of the vibe that was there. There, there, uh, there were several times where I just I wished that I was there, that I was there <laughs> watching the race. It's so. funny to hear the story that you told me earlier. Maybe you can tell that again of like where you were at when you were watching it. What happened? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so I was still at the cycling house on this cycling vacation. It was it was Sunday morning when the race happened, and Sunday was the last day of our of our. It was like disembarkment day, so it yeah. was everybody was going home that day, and the race happened at like eight in the morning our time, or I think it was eight in the morning our time, and uh, I I was like sitting out on the deck with my iPad and I'm watching the race and I'm like trying not to bug anybody. And all of a sudden I had four people over my shoulder, like, <laughs> Hey, can you come in and put that on the big screen TV? So I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. So I came in to the living room area where they have this big screen TV and I was able to mirror my, my, Sweet. my screen up and, and sir, everybody was there watching the race because it was like so exciting. Staff included. Yeah. Yes, it was the staff that asked me to put it <laughs> oh, on. Oh, really? The staff asked That's me awesome. to put it on. Thing. Well, the one guy that you we interviewed, you interviewed while you were there, he said he was a cyclocross racer from the Montana area. Yes. So I got to imagine he was probably bugging you the yes. most. <laughs> yeah, he was. Was it Jacob? He was anxious. It was Zeb. Oh, Zeb. Yeah, That's Zeb, funny. the long-haired guy. He was from, yeah, 24-year-old oh, gotcha. from, uh, from Montana. Yeah, so. But that was super fun. So it was fun to watch the race and. So MVP gets another set of world stripes. His fifth, his fifth, fifth one. Wout has three. Wout has three. So who's the all-time greatest? Is there a is there a better cyclocross racer than those two? No. Sven Nice, does he Sven Nice won like five world championships as well? But or in something? his heyday, could he have hung with these two guys? It's a great question. And now that we've got one with five and one with three, I mean had it been evened up 4-4, that would have made for a good debate. But even at 5-3, who's the best cyclocross racer? And who's the best all-around bike racer? I mean, it's, this is a cool time. I mean, we get to see these guys. This this story is not completed yet. No. It is not finished written. These two are going to battle for the next five years on the road, in classics, in sprints, in in stage races, at the Tour de France, at they're 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 gonna continue oh, yeah. to battle. Yeah. So there's gonna be not bad blood, but there's gonna be some like I want some they some have payback here. They have huge respect for each other. Sure. They both know that that both of them level you know ups the other person's sure. game. They're pushing each other yeah. to be even better. So do you think one of them is sick of the other though? I'm sure they have those moments. I'm sure they have those moments. I mean, who's but 
who's a little bit more of a prima donna of the two? Uh, um, Vanderpool is Vanderpool's kind of a party boy. Is he really? Yeah, he's a bit of a well. I shouldn't say party boy. He's he's your uh, he's your Local. house music type of writer that you know, you know, on the bus before the race has you know the the electronic <laughs> yeah the dance music rolling, <laughs> and 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 Wout Van Art is more your your family guy. He's got a wife and a daughter, yeah, and son. He's got a son. And is a little more reserved, reserved and yep. a little more chill and a little more, you know, careful about what he does. So they're just they're just different personalities. Dutch and Belgium, right? Dutch and Belgium. So is that like does that play into the stereotype of those uh, particular cultures? Y- um y- a little bit. Yeah. It does. Um it it's funny that uh that Vanderpool is Dutch. Uh-huh. He's from Holland. He was born in Holland, but he lives in Belgium. Oh wow. And trains in Belgium. <laughs> And and then Wout Van Aert is. I'm sure they born. love him there until they see him on the race course and they're like, "No, yes. Wout is our boy." Yes. <laughs> and this race was in the Netherlands. Sure. It was in Holland, so it was in his home country. So he had even a little bit more motivation to try to win this race because it was in his home country. So. Fantastic race. So uh, if you have to pick one, is the best cyclocross racer of all time? Who are you picking? Well, you kind of have to pick Vanderpool. Just based on the numbers alone. Just based on the numbers alone. Who's, but, your, who's your favorite? But I'm I'm a Wout fan. Wout fan? I love Wout. I mean... Ah, I hate to say this. I want to be like Matt and be like devil's advocate and say, no! <laughs> <laughs> but I have to agree with you. I, I think Wout, I just, there's something about him that resonates with me. I think that he's, at the end of the day, I think he's a little bit more of a versatile rider. I think that he's got a yeah. few more arrows in his quiver yeah. when you think of all things cycling. But I have... have those do those. I mean, you know, MVP's got some mountain biking in him because he, you know, races and he wanted to go yep. win the Olympics and that's when he crashed. But yep. does Wout have any mountain bikes? Wout does not mountain, mountain bike. bike. So, or if he has, he's never raced. I don't, I don't know. He, he has sure no mountain bike history, history as far as I know. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to give that uh, MVP. And But on the road side of things, MVP's done some cool things, but nothing like Wout. I think Wout is much more accomplished in terms of what he has been able to yeah. do. So MVP has won more um, one-day classics. Pardon me. Wout Van Aert has won more one-day classics. Okay. He He's also won the green jersey of the Tour de France. Yep. He's won stages of the Tour de France Correct. and had the yellow jersey in the Tour sure. de France. But Vanderpool has also won stages in the Tour de France and had the yellow jersey for but a day Has he won a climbing stage, a sprint stage? No. He's won a sprint stage. Yeah. He's not won a climbing a time stage. time trial? No, he's not won a time trial. So, I mean, you've got to completely hand that to him. Yeah. And then the cyclocross stuff, I will just say that MVP is a hair better. I mean, it, it, God, it could have gone so many different ways. It, it, it was clearly evident how much better of a cyclocross rider Vanderpool was when you watched them go over the barriers. Sure. Because he's faster or smoother. He is way faster, smoother. He actually passed, um, Wout twice on the barriers, mm-hmm. like, and they were both coming into it, like Wout coming in the lead, and Vanderpool could do it so much faster that he had passed him be, by by the time they would bunny hopped both the yeah, barriers. Yeah, the curve of the 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 jump, the bunny hop was a lot steeper for Wout. It seemed like MVP was able to do it a lot sooner and just glide. Yes, and, and just like I don't know, it was like a a bunny rabbit running across versus a big oafy dog, you know, jumping yeah. over something. So. Yeah, it's just smoother there. So, yeah. fun guys to watch. Gosh dang, it was it was fun to yeah. watch. I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys go head to head again in some of the classics. Though I, I agree. think that that's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, you know, it, the fun thing about cyclocross is it's it's only an hour. It's like yeah. okay, 
It's 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 all action right from the beginning. We for us to watch, you know, one of the classics. There's it's a full commitment. There's like five hours of writing before they get to the end, and hopefully they both make it to the end at the same time, and yep. then we have another, yep. you know, showdown. So yeah, <clears throat> Pickcock, not there, obviously. Pickcock was with his uh, with with Team Ineos at the training camp in Spain, yep. so he was not there. Do you think he lands on the podium? still in that race probably think so uh, you know um ellie easterbit was who took third place yep. he out sprinted uh lars vanderhaar for uh-huh. third place and they were only 12 seconds back yeah so they they were pretty close i was I, actually happy to see easterbit land on the podium because yeah. that guy is that's his gem cyclocross that's that's that's, that's pretty does. much what he does yep. and he when those those guys aren't there, he's the man, yes. and it's kind of a bummer to see like, oh god, they're all coming back. All right, I'm just gonna be playing for third or fourth place right. here. So the fact that he was able to land on the podium in the world championship was pretty cool. Yeah. If Pickcock's there though, does he land on the podium? I don't know. But the the main question I want to ask for you: If Pickcock is there, does he disrupt the the rhythm maybe. of those two earlier in the race? Maybe cause a few mistakes, cause some breakaways, and different outcome? Maybe. I don't know. No. It's just a lot of questions. The guys on GCN were calling the 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 drone Pidcock because <laughs> it was always right there. <laughs> it was always chasing Vanderpool. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so maybe that's <laughs> any other stuff you want to talk about, Champ? Oh, uh, you know, the women's race was also great. Uh Fem Van Empel won over Puck Peterisi, so and Lewis Lucinda Brand was third. That was, you know, very fun. In the in the U23 and the juniors races, the funnest race was the women's junior race. It was it was first and second went to twins from Canada. No way. Yes. Okay, I missed that. So that was very cool. Uh, Isabella Holmgren and Ava Holmgren. They're they're twins from Canada. So that was exciting. Proud parents right there. Yes. Yeah. Cool. That's it. You don't want to talk about Mark Sandwich. <laughs> Cavendish. No. Freaking, there's still news every week about Mark Cavendish. That guy's an ice cream sandwich. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, no, I'm not going to add to these stories about Mark Cavendish. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Champ out. Champ out. That's it. Oh, too bad Matt's not here to talk about what was going on in all the triathlon-y stuff here. So we'll just say, hey, Matt, what's going on? What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? (laughs) You guys are looking good. Thank you. Thank you. Particularly yeah, good. Appreciate looking that. good today. I mean, oh. I don't know. You guys, but you always seem know, to look good every week. <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice and complimentary. So nice. Of nice of me to come back on and, and stop his swim real quick. Thank you so much. Well, let's move into our um, backpedal. Backpedal. You want to backpedal? Your pedals were a lot further back than Dude, mine were. My week just continued to get better. <laughs> Ice cream sandwich. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> it just kept getting better and better. The the days, the rides out there in Tucson were just fantastic. Our weather just improved even more. It got to be like 75 every day and sunny. How much are you looking forward to going back in a month? I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I would leave tomorrow to go back because, yeah, Tucson was just a cool place to be. For... You didn't already book another trip down there with a cycling house the week before? <laughs> I don't know. I'm... I, it, it certainly made me uh, a look at several of their other trips. It was it was that good of a trip that that I will probably do something else with them again. Really, and I will convince three or four of you to come with me. 
because I was, t- I was talking to my wife trying to plant that seed. I'm like, gosh, man, that's such a fun thing that he did. And just that it was just so expensive. It was like 3,300 bucks. She's like, yeah, that's not that bad. I'm like, oh, what? Uh, 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 what? <laughs> I'm like, maybe if I just start like a little pillow account and I'll tell them that they sponsored me or something like that. <laughs> Do you know that like if we went with like five teammates or six teammates yeah. and like took up half of, dude, you know how much fun it would be? Oh, yeah. We would have like, we'd have our own guide. We'd have our own van. Yeah. They would do different routes. Uh, I don't I don't want to get too excited about it because it. 2024? <laughs> yeah, serious. Or they, they actually want to do something with us. The, the gravel thing in Montana. Weren't yes. they talking about, the, dude? Come there's on, a, dude. There's, there, dude. They have, they have several gravel weeks in Montana where you brought, yes. Okay. Dude. Maybe we. <laughs> How do we do a video on this? Like, uh, we we could do something. Huh. <laughs> we could do something. All right, make it work. Wheels are turning. If you're listening to Cycle House, <laughs> oh my god, let's, let's work this out. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's work it out. Very cool. All right, so just back okay. your work, dude. So the dude. dude. <laughs> um the the biggest thing I ended up riding Mount Lemon. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about it last week. I said that if I would. You did not talk about it last week. You well, you did. We you hadn't, hadn't done, we hadn't it, done yet. it yet. You said, "Oh, it's going to take me over three hours to do that," and I think I called BS on that. Yeah, I, I almost broke two hours. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I and almost broke two hours. The records are what an hour and seventeen ish. It is. Uh, yeah, it's an hour seventeen. There's actually two different different segments, and there's a there's a twenty one point five mile segment. And there's a 20.5 mile segment. So one of them goes to like a lookout and another one goes to some restaurant or cookie no, shack or something. Like no. that. People keep telling me all these different landmarks, but both these segments go to the highest point. Oh. But the start, the start is a mile different between the two. Is there an official one that everybody recognizes? I, I don't know. I I did the official I did the official segment. Uh uh-huh. which is the, the longer or the shorter one? Is the shorter one. Gotcha. But that's because the cycling house comes in from that side and it cuts out that mile that includes. Oh, okay. that yeah. Makes sense. So it's, that's why I did the shorter one. I didn't even realize what, but if you think one. about it, it was probably the shorter one all the while. And then somebody's like, well, the people were probably saving themselves for that last mile going into it. So if I make it a little bit longer and I go hard earlier, maybe I can make this new yeah. segment and have the fastest. No, no joke. People will do that. People will do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up just, I, I think I was two hours and four minutes for the whole climb. Dude, that's a solid time. And averaged um like 230 watts for 2 hours. Yeah. That was that was great for me. Yeah. So So I'm told that Justin Wagner has the the fastest time up from the ODZ camp. I want to say it was like somewhere in the ball I got I'm I'm guessing we'll just say it was like an hour and 40 or something like that. It was a respectable time. Yeah. And you know David Bussey from our team who's also on ODZ he's like, "Hey, uh when you guys go down there, do you think you uh can beat all the ODZ guys?" And he's kind of like baiting me. And I'm like, "Well, it's not going to be me because I'm coming off of an injury and I'm too heavy and I'm just not that fast." Right. Maybe maybe 5 years ago I could have like put a stab at it, but you know if we have the likes of, you know, Paul first and is is Chris Samuel going? You know, I don't see his name on the list yet. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but hopefully, Handel, if you're listening, get your butt in gear, get yourself I down there. I freaking hope so. And I'd love to see Mike Guy Van back down there. Could you imagine those three guys going after it? Yeah, dude. Dude, they would crush. They would crush. Yeah. Paul first, stupid strong right now. I've said this again. I've said this multiple times over the past few weeks. I've never seen him this strong going into the start of a season, and it's just utterly ridiculous what he's going to be capable of doing this year. So I'm really kind of going to have fun sitting back and watching him, and I've feel like we're gonna get really punished when we go do some more team rides this year with him 
the the shorter segment, uh, I went two oh two fifty nine. Sure. So just under two oh three. And I wanna see Are you looking up Justin's time I'm on there? Trying to find Justin's time. We gotta get him back on here, by the way. It's been a minute since we've I had know. Justin on here. So maybe we can uh talk to him beforehand and talk a little smack and see if there's something there. I guess he's not going this year. His uh, his bosses or his employer said, "Yep, you're you're gonna stay." Uh, oh, really? You're gonna stay here. You're not able to go to your little bicycle camp and play bikes with your friends for a week. <laughs> oh, so they're making no. him stay. But um, him stay. anyway, David Bussey was kind of saying, "You guys make sure that the the Dow guys beat all the ODZ guys going up there because they've got some strong guys that put in some pretty solid times." I did so. beat the I did beat Greg Steele's time. By, did you really? By uh, twelve minutes. Oh wow! Yeah. Now I will say. So because I did it with the cycling house, yeah. they had they had a a van at mile eight and a van at mile fourteen. Okay. So that you could stop and like and refill. Or were, they, were you stopping or were you doing like bottle exchanges? So I prearranged a bottle exchange. <laughs> did you get a sticky bottle on that? I got a, no, I didn't. So it was it was I just I prearranged a, a bottle exchange at mile fourteen. Okay. And so as I was pulling up to mile 14, one of the guides, he had he had gotten on his bike and he had my extra bottle on his bike. He just rode up next to me. I passed him my empty. He passed me the new bottle and I just kept going. <laughs> Lance had domestics that so kills me. <laughs> I so I didn't I didn't stop at all. And and one of my buddies, the guy that I was so I talked about last week, the Gary Allen. Europe? Yeah. yeah. Ga- no, oh, Gary, Gary Allen. Allen was there, okay? So I had I prearranged for him and his buddy to meet us at the start, and I thought they were gonna do the whole climb, and they drilled it in the first hour, and I thought, okay, fantastic. I'm just gonna, you know, we're just gonna, the three of us are gonna work together the whole way up. They got to mile ten, like see ya, and turned around, and I'm like, what? They're <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna go, we're only going this high, and I'm like, gosh, dang it, are you serious? I'm like killing myself. <laughs> So I didn't exactly negative split it because they 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 pushed me a little faster. So that's fun. Anyway, that I, I don't. What wanna... was like coming off of that? Was that a fun descent? Oh yeah, it was a blast. Not... You don't even you don't even hardly have to touch your brakes because really? it's never really that steep. Uh-huh. And the and the corners are really pretty smooth. How does it? compare or stack up to montezuma's it's not it's not montezuma's is steeper so you get going faster sure and this one and and there was this is a very popular place especially on the weekend especially for local tucsonites because they want they get up there was snow at the top oh wow there was there was three feet of snow at the top that much really yes so there are a lot of people driving up there to play in the snow yes big bike lanes or did you ever no big nice big bike lanes so once you get to the top, it's another five miles to the cookie cabin okay. or the ski resort. Okay. So when I did ride all the way out there, but just at like chill recovery pace. So. Coming back down, do you jump in with traffic or were you not going quite fast enough? Oh, no, I was passing cars. Passing cars, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Maybe I should. I was, yeah, you you, you can go as fast as the cars coming That's down. That's fun. Yeah, so... It was it was really fun. Mount Lemmon is a fantastic climb. It was it was better than I expected. So good. I really enjoyed it. Anything rest, else? No, I mean the rest. No. Then I just jumped in the van and bolted home after. You did bikes. make a good time getting home. So we'll, we'll give you that. So you get a KOM for that. Okay. That's probably your fastest time getting home before, yeah, from down there. Well, uh, or one of them at least. It may be. I mean, it's it's like a twenty hour drive from there, and, and we split it up between half of 
one night and then one full day of driving and then one more morning. So yeah, I cool. kind of bolted. What about you? My back pedal, a lot of boring trainer rides Monday through Friday, but went for a little ride outside over the weekend. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, this past week was the first week since uh, August, I think, of last year that I was able to get over 10 hours. Not because I haven't wanted to, but because I've been fighting this damn injury. And yep. I'm trying to defy my doctor a little bit. I'm trying to change the trajectory of my fitness um, so that I can be ready to go to training camp so that I can be you know, able to hang with everybody and not be the uh, the SAG support vehicle riding shotgun with Brandy. <laughs> but I love you, Brandy, but um, I, I'd rather be out there riding my bike. <laughs> but uh, it was like... It should be this week that I should have had my restrictions started to be eased and start working my way back up to from three or four hours a week up to like five or six or seven or eight. And I'm up to 10 and a half now. And you already did 10 last week. I did. And um, I did the all of the, the, the trainer rides that we normally do on the, the trainer stuff during the week with the team. And I added a few extra uh, you know miles on each of those just to kind of pad the time a little bit more. Yeah. Went into the weekend and we did a 62 mile outdoor ride with the team, which was pretty cool. We did our little battleground loop. Oh, it's a metric century. Fantastic. And I. How many people were on that ride? Um, 10, 11, 12, something oh, like that. Oh, good. Okay. It was Fantastic. a decent size. I mean, there was threat of rain. So we had a couple people that backed out the last minute, but it never really. I mean, the, the roads were a little bit wet, but it never really rained beyond a few sprinkles here and there. Yeah. So for the most part, we were fine. Um, we got probably 45 miles into the ride and I started to feel a little bit of discomfort and I kind of let the team go at that point in time because I didn't want to try and keep up with them and have it become worse. Just trying to be smart because I'm like, all right, you can do it. I have no problems trying, but I'm like, I'm going to play this smart. And yeah, last I'm, year you just would have like buried your head and you gone just, with them. You just deal with it, yeah. And suffered and, the consequences. For what it's worth, I'm kind of glad that I did it that route that way because it was kind of nice just to like back off, let them go, not have that that like, hey, you got to keep up with everybody. And I just kind of rode my own ride, had my tunes going. And um, by the time I got back into the, the Camas area, and I'm going to get very geographically specific here, crossing over 192nd, you get into this big open field, and it's this big yeah. you know, open field that's basically a wind corridor. And it's always this time of year, an east wind that you're riding directly into. I was pretty shelled at that point in time because that's the most time I've spent on a bike in the longest time. And the wind's blowing straight in your face. And then my other leg... I don't know if this one was from compensation, started to cramp really bad. I'm like, son of a biscuit eater here. So I get climbing back up to my house. I live up on top of a hill, and there's like a four or 500-foot climb that I have to get up. That's pretty pitchy. I started to cramp so bad that I almost pulled over in front, oh. of, uh, in front of our house and like sat in his lawn to so stretch my leg. I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. Get yourself home. <laughs> Just call it a day. And then I come home, and I am like wet from sweat. There was a little bit of rain or whatever. And I, and I jumped in my bathing suit, and I'm like, I'm going to go sit in the spa, and I'm going to stretch yeah. in there. And I walk outside, and it's cramping just a little bit. My phone rings and I'd let the group go. And I told them like, Hey, there's a good chance this is before the ride starts that I might let you guys go. Don't worry about it. I'm a big boy. Yep. I'm a grown adult. Yep. I can get myself home. And if I have a problem, I've got a phone. I can call somebody and like, all right. So I let him go. And, uh, I'm just about ready to jump in the spot. I'm standing outside. It, it's sunny, cloudy, 
41, 42 degrees. I'm standing yeah. there in my trunks outside, and I'm kind of cold still from the ride because I got off the bike, and you know that feeling when your feet are like numb and you feel yes. like you're walking around on stubs. That, I'm still in that position outside, and my phone rings, and I look down, and it's our friend Ian Gibson, and I think he was just checking on me to make sure I'm all right. And I pick up the phone, and I'm talking to him, and like he's just like chatting and going on and on and on. I'm like, all right, I gotta go, I gotta go. I, gotta go. I need to get in yeah, the hot. Tub. I didn't tell him until afterwards <laughs> that I was standing there freezing my butt off, and I finally got in the spot. I sat in that damn thing for an hour. Oh, oh geez, <laughs> And I was, Jake. I I didn't even eat food because I was trying to warm up because I was so cold. And then when you're sitting in there, you're sweating and I was already dehydrated because I was dealing with the cramping and all that stuff. And I'm super hungry. And I'm like, I got to get out. But I'm like, I don't want to get out. I'm like, I, you got to get out. And I'm, I stand up a little bit. I'm going to get a little lightheaded. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing to myself? I'm going to pass out. Not <laughs> finally made myself back inside the house and started getting some food and hydration in me. But that was an idiot move that I did. But all, all things considered, it was a fun ride. Well, good. I'm glad at least you got outside. For got back bit. on the bike, rode outside again on Sunday. Oh, good. And put in another 25 or 30 miles. We did our juniors clinic, which was actually really fun. Oh, good. It was good. myself and Ian and Aaron Saunder and David Barna. Went out there with a bunch of our juniors, and we worked on pace lining and, like, close group riding and, you know, like, drafting tactics and oh, just excellent. talking about all the little things that go into that. And it was really well-received, and they did a fantastic job. I mean, we had these kids pace lining over 20 miles an hour comfortably, and they were making all the right moves. I mean, there's still some things we need to iron out, but that was a lot of fun. So um, I was a little sore, but... I was, it was nice to be able to get back on the bike and not have the problem, that 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 deep yes. pain in the hip where you're feeling that labrum in there. Or cranking all up that there. inflammation that yep. you've been dealing with. The, the inflammation on the outer part of my hip's been kind of subsiding a little bit, so trending in the right direction. So that's, that's kind of what's going on there. So hopefully this week again, 10 and a half hours. Now that you're home, we're going to have to go for bike rides. All right. Do something long and fun. I'm up. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about? I think I was 21 and a half hours last week. <laughs> Dude, why do you got to do that to me, you uh, freaking... Ice cream sandwich. <laughs> just because that's that's who I am. That's what that's what I do, Jake. Just trying to needle you just a little bit. All right. Well, All right. We're going to have to go and play bikes, and I'll see what kind of fitness you got these days and see if I can keep up with you. I think you'll have no problem. Cool. Let's do one last thing. You got a one last thing? You haven't had, like, one last thing in, like, a long time. <laughs> Are you over one last thing? Was your last one last thing your one last thing? That was my one last thing. Like no more one last things. My one last thing is I'm tired of one last thing because I never have something good to talk about. <laughs> oh nothing? Super Bowl is coming up. Eagles versus Chiefs. Yeah. I I can't say that I care. I was supposed to go hang out with my buddies in Utah, but I uh, I think I'm Who are you staying. taking in that game? I don't know. <laughs> don't know if you had to like if if someone's going to snatch a thousand bucks out of your pocket and you had to make a decision right now to put it on a team. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I'd have to say go. Chief. Well, no, Chiefs kind of like wasn't there like a bunch of like referee stuff and like a bunch of bad calls and people were like saying that they shouldn't have won that game it's, against it's, it's, was it San Francisco? It's national sports, so yeah. you every national sports league has. You know, you believe the team that you believe, period. Okay. <laughs> our, uh, our our friend, he's been on the podcast before, teammate Edward Douglas, going to the game. He's flying out there. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, he's got uh, seats. He's going there with his wife and his uh, niece, and they've got some really cool uh, opportunities to be on the field at some point. What? They get to be wined and dined. How and- did Dudley pull that off? Uh, he's, he's a bigger wig than we think. Yeah, he? I think he, he's, I think he, he knows some folks or knows some 
people. It's in Phoenix. I was yeah. I was there in Phoenix for a couple of weeks, and the town is like ramped for it. Yeah, they're, they're excited for it. They've like built up this whole area downtown just for the Super Bowl. And yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. Gotcha. Um, my one last thing is we have Valentine's Day coming up soon, right? Yeah, next Tuesday. Okay, our family like. My wife and I, we're probably does like we don't buy each other Christmas gifts. We don't buy each other. Well, we kind of get like little birthday things. It's like we'll hear the the other person say something during the course of the year, and we'll just get little said thing for them. But it's usually not that big of a thing. Um, we don't do anything for Valentine's Day. Either. We do stuff for the kids, but we're gonna do something together this year for Valentine's Day. And I'm actually kind of excited about it because I've never done it before. Have you ever gone snowshoeing? Yes, I have. I have never gone, and that's what we're going to do. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I and have that's, a couple sets of snowshoes, actually. I have a set now, too, because my wife, like, some someone she knows or somehow somebody said that they have a pair that they're never going to use again, and they just gave them to us. Oh, wow. And then we bought a set for my wife. They're, I don't know if they're any good, but they're at Costco. Like, they were super cheap. They were, yeah. like, on sale. So, anyway. And, and you know, teammate Jerry Pruitt yeah. has raced cycles, the snowshoe nationals like a few years yeah. in a row. Paul first as well. Yeah. yeah. Edward oh. Dudlick, another one we were just okay. talking about. So there we go. They all go up to Mount Hood and they do snowshoe racing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I could race them, but especially with my hip, but I figured that there might be some good cross training for me. So I'm going to go up there and we're going to do that on uh, on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's lovely. Anyway, that's my one last thing. Anything right. else, Hepler? That's it for me. Cool. All right. We will be back next week with another one of these. And until then, bye for now. Oh,